0: welcome back to the people analytics podcast i'm your host lindsay patton today i have will beaton from my tutor welcome
1: will hi thanks so much for having me
0: thank you for being on the show and you
1: are our first international
0: guest congratulations
1: Oh, how exciting. That was great.
0: Yeah. So tell me uh, what you do at MyTutor and what you enjoy
1: about it. Sure. So I'm head of people at MyTutor. Uh, MyTutor is an online tutoring marketplace that provides access to high quality learning that's stress-free for those who can afford it and funded directly through schools and the government for those who can't. And in the people team at MyTutor, that incorporates both people and talent. So, we're looking at the entire employee lifecycle there. So, everything from employer brand and recruitment through onboarding, employee experience, performance enablement, and right through to exit. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. And where's the home base for my tutor?
1: So, we're currently officeless. Um, oh. and we're on the hunt for one at the moment, but we are mainly a London centric um, organization with about 60% of the the, the workforce based in London with the rest sort of scattered around the UK, but UK centric.
0: That's really cool. Um, how has the office list life been for you? Um, I know you're looking, you said you're, you're looking for one.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, so we've been using co-working space solutions through a company called Dasana, um, which is a good stopgap while we try and learn a little bit more about what we're looking for. And, mm-hmm. um, but the sense around the office is that people miss the opportunity to have sort of a HQ where you can go and um, work closely with colleagues, learn from each other, um, and generally soak up the culture. So very, very keen to get new HQ in the next couple of months.
0: Yeah. And you were kind of on the ground floor with my tutor, right? When it When it kicked off. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, sure. So when we started at my tutor, there was about five, seven of us, something like that, um, in that sort of like early founding team. And it was quite slow, sort of slower growth at first. So maybe over the first three, three and a half years, we kind of slowly grew from the team that I mentioned through to maybe 35, 40 people. Um, and, you know, those early days, very hectic, no processes in place. Everyone's a generalist. Um, focusing on lots of different areas. Um, so it's been a big change and, you know, lots of exciting challenges, kind of taking that early culture, scrappy culture, um, and trying to build it into a larger scale. We're now about 270-plus people, uh, you know, a larger-scale organization, uh, potentially looking at like things like international expansion as well, so potentially taking it even further. So it's been a big change.
0: Yeah, and you said three years has been that time around then?
1: So so about, uh, so about I've been at my tutor about five and a half years, Okay, and the first three and a bit years were a slower growth. So mm-hmm. it kind of took us from the sort of five, six people through to maybe 40-so people. And then over the last sort of 18 months to two years, we've gone from, you know, less than 50 to over 250, approaching 300.
0: Yeah. And how has your role evolved and grown uh, since day one?
1: so i am not a people background um professional um my tutor was essentially my first job straight out of school um and i was initially focused on uh operations both sort of customer facing pieces but also some internal ops getting stuck into kind of contracts and safeguarding that comes with being an education business and managed to sort of work up as we grew into a senior position and then i've moved around different departments so uh, moving from our B2B side of the business, working with schools, to then the B2C, working with customers, um, to an operations role. Um, I've worked on commercial aspects as, in account management, uh, looking at existing business. Uh, now in the people role, um, as I mentioned, focusing on the employee lifecycle and actually recently picked up uh, interim chief of staff duties as well. So never a dull day, constantly changing.
0: Absolutely. And what was your background before uh, going into my tutor?
1: So I studied math and economics uh, at university, and then left and joined my tutor. Um, but my family are all sort of educate like education centric okay. uh, teachers, uh, professors. So I, I've always had an eye on it. So I was keen yeah. to get in that sector. So yeah,
0: <laughs> so you're kind of already in that world. So it's just kind of a natural progression.
1: Exactly, I think. I, I always joke with one of our founders, the only reason they hired me is because my dad's a teacher and he had a black book <laughs> full of uh, all the all the different contacts at schools that we could get in touch with. <laughs> so I think that's, that's maybe good. why he said yes in the first place. Um,
0: yeah, I always find it fascinating. Um, you know, people who start off, you know, either – studying something or switching careers, um, I always find that they can bring aspects of what they studied or what they did in the past into what they're doing now. So can you uh, apply any of what you studied to what you're doing now?
1: That's a good question. Um, It feels so long ago since I studied. Um, But if I think about career-wise, You know, having sort of got my groundings in operations, more like customer facing operations, and thinking about how that scaled, I definitely think um, kind of my sort of process driven approach has definitely worked well when looking at the people aspect of the business, going from, you know, small scale, very process light to, well, how do we processize this? What's an efficient way to do it? What's an effective way to do it? What needs to be centralized? What can be decentralized? Um, And sort of asking those sorts of questions to get us to that sort of 270 plus that we're at now. So I think that's definitely been an important one. I actually did also go back to do some studying about people in HR, because I think there are some aspects that, you know, things like employment law, you just do need to kind of get your head in the book, I think, to understand.
0: Absolutely. And I also want to get into like the meat of the conversation, which is growth and making sure your people are taken care of, uh, especially during high growth uh, times, which you're currently in right now,
1: correct? Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I think last year was probably our highest growth period. Um, going at the, you know, last 18 months, going from that sort of 50 to over two, 250, 270. And we're now looking to probably add another sort of 30, 40 people this year. So compared to last time, it feels a little bit slower, a bit more breathing room, but very much still, still growing. Um, And it's definitely been a big, a big focus for us, particularly as well, because it's all been remote. So Mm -hmm. some of the things you might take for granted, you know, onboarding, getting people up to speed on kind of what you want, what the culture is, or what you think it should be. Some some of those things aren't as hard, and you have to be more explicit about sharing them, making people sure, making sure people are onboarded.
0: Yeah. So what, did, what was top of mind for you, um, you know, when you started getting into that high growth? Uh, what were some, you know, non-negotiables for the people that make up my tutor?
1: So I think the things we had to be wary of was prior to sort of high growth, a lot of the hiring was done directly by hiring managers. Because, you know, people could just sort of look for one hire a quarter, maybe, maybe even less than that. You could give it your full attention and you'd be like bringing people in. To that team, so they'd be very closely watched. On you know, are they hitting the standards that we'd expect in my tutor? As you kind of go through high growth, you might look at different solutions like um, external agency to support more, or you might bring in a talent function in house. We did a combination of the both. So suddenly, you you know, whereas maybe like the CEO might see every candidate before they come in the door, it's sort of layers removed from what it used to be, and you've got external people or new joiners hiring people into the business. Um, hiring managers maybe only see them at the last round of interviews rather than being in every stage um, for senior people. So I think really kind of getting down exactly what we were looking for from a hiring process, how we're testing, what we're testing, what the standards are, um, I think that was really, really important to give us the comfort that we were still going to be bringing people in that would kind of improve the business um, and not sort of you know erode away at that culture that we built. I think that was really important. Um, the second piece was, again, it's around simply in you know, a similar part of the cycle, but the onboarding phase. So for us, we kind of class that from the moment they sign a contract to say, yes, I want to join my tutor to about three months in, um, which is for us, like when they pass probation. And because I think, you, you know, you can do a lot of heavy lifting in that phase, um, of someone's sort of, uh, journey. That's where you like help them understand what the culture is, how things work around here. You know, um, the way we behave with each other, where we've come from and where we want to get to, you know, what's the mission. And I think really put a lot of effort into that first sort of three months of someone's journey, collecting lots of feedback along the way to see what we can improve, trying to make it more scalable, making sure that these cultural pieces that you might naturally pick up around an office in a remote world are being kind of fed to them directly so they can pick it all up still.
0: Yeah. And when you're going, I mean, I've been in quite a few startups myself and that growth period, I mean, it's so difficult to scale and, you know, keep an eye on the people who helped you get there at the same time. Um, So, you know, as you mentioned, where like you have an all-hand situation or, you know, like a lot of things moving at once, how do you make sure the people don't, you know, get get missed during all that activity?
1: Yeah, it's super hard. Um, And I think You know, I feel quite lucky with the team that we're in. A lot of the founding team members, so those people I mentioned, the kind of the six or seven early starters, they're still in the business. um, And they've sort of managed to progress to either senior roles in the field they've always been working in or maybe move around the business a little bit like myself. So I, I do think we're quite lucky in the sense that those people who helped define the culture are still here to help shape it, to help kind of take it forward still. So that's been, you know, that's good for us. And I guess, like you said, how do you how do you make sure you're able to keep those people in the business? Um, and I think naturally you are you're going to lose some. Um, you know, you start off earlier in you start off, you set up a business, you're looking for generalists, people who can do spin, you know, wear lots of different hats, spin lots of plates, keep things going. And not everyone wants to go from small startup into scale up where maybe you have to specialize more. Maybe you're more focused on people management than you've ever been in the past. Um, so I think it's kind of one, being aware that it isn't always the right for everyone to carry on. Um, but for those who do, um, may, just making sure there's like a clear, a clear pathway for everyone. So we talk about pathways at my tutor, whether that's um, you know, people leaders, individual contributors, or rock climbers, who are the people a little bit like me who kind of move across the business. Maybe you go sideways before going up. Yeah. I love that term. To <laughs> down yeah yeah it's a fun one um and i think it works quite well for a business of our size. you know people aren't always just going to progress linearly up you might change teams you might even go down to then climb up a level later on um so i think this kind of yeah labeling making it possible for people to move in different ways because if you want to keep good people there needs to be different pathways available um i think that's that's been really important and like myself i've moved around um there's other people in business who have who have moved in like chief of staff opportunities, like moving into there. Um, there's other people in business looking at that. So having having um uh, the pathways is, is been important. Um and then you, you sort of touched on the all hands. So yeah, I mean and I think back it's it's kind of almost funny the way they think we used to run meetings, like every week we'd have everyone together, and there'd be these big, like long meetings, and suddenly you've got 270 people and it's like, is all this information relevant? How much can we even, how much information can someone take in when they're not involved in it day to day? So we did have to really think about, okay, you know, when do we want to, what do we want to talk about annually? What do we want to talk about quarterly? What do we need to talk about monthly? And who needs to be talking about what, anything less than that. So being more deliberate with sort of business unit meetings, team level meetings, and trying to add a bit more structure to the the way people meet, what they're discussing and how frequent has been really important to make sure everyone's got the right level of information at the right time to be able to operate in their role. Um, we'd have to be deliberate and, and also move some things away from meetings into sort of async updates, like newsletters, for example, recordings, what information is accessible and when. Yeah.
0: Uh, what stuck out to me is, you know, the fact that there have been um, quite a few people that have been with the organization for many years. I think you, you said seven years, five years right? Yeah, about yeah. five and a half, six years. Yeah. And, you know, I I, I don't know, you know, the generations of the, the um, main team, but I feel like we're in a culture right now of job hopping. And when you mentioned rock climbing, that term, I, I feel like you replicate, you know, the, the benefits of, you know, job hopping and new experience, new skills. Um, would you say that, you know, those opportunities to upskill and learn and be in, you know, new situations help with employee retention?
1: Definitely. I think there's some good articles around it, and I believe it's called, like, tools of duty uh, is a term that's sometimes used. And, yes, it's the idea that uh, you can help people build a breadth of experience by, you know, taking someone smart who's got good transferable skills, like maybe people management, project management, um, you know, understand the business has that really good institutional knowledge they can take and apply to different problems across the business. Um, and that's, I think, definitely been a good draw in keeping people in the business. I guess the other one is, you know, we're lucky in that because we've been growing so much, the problems we've been facing are changing a lot. Because I think where people are like, engaged, being challenged in different ways, that keeps them around. So making sure that people's challenges aren't going stale probably you know important and you can do that by moving across the business or just making sure that they've got the right team beneath them the challenges they face are changing as they go
0: yeah because i mean job hopping is hard you have to figure out what you want to pursue you have to do the interview so if there's an opportunity where you get everything that you need why would
1: you want to leave exactly exactly and i think as well You know, when you join a new company, it's a whole new culture. You don't know what it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the, you know, what are people like with feedback? How, what's the culture around being able to fail fast and learn? You know, if you're already in a good business and you know that works, um, you know, better to try and do those new challenges within a business where you know there's a good culture to support you.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk about culture too. So, you know, in those early days, um, you know, how did you determine that culture and what was that like?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a funny one in terms of defining a culture because you kind of, it just sort, of just sort of forms over time. You kind of don't realize it. and You, sort of, <laughs> yeah. you suddenly, you're the a bunch of people who I guess have a, a similar set of values that, that sort of drive them um, and, and things seem to working along. But then as we said, like, as you start to hire more and particularly it's like people like the founders and CEO get further from the hiring, you need to codify it so you know what everyone else knows what they're looking for. Um, so I think we've, we've managed to do a pretty good job at, at keeping a lot of the, the culture elements um, that were important to my tutor uh, there. And I think the reason that's worked for us is because we had initial slow growth. So initially, we were only adding people in bit piece. Um, it meant there was always time for hires to bed in. Obviously, hires that didn't work out would leave. But we had sort of three years, you know, we got people who joined the business into senior positions. They're kind of overseeing the culture. Whereas when you think of some of these companies that sort of overnight kind of are made and become sort of 150, 300, there's no time to really create a culture. Um, so it's sort of, you're kind of hiring people, but you don't even know what you're hiring for, or like who you're looking for. So I think we got really lucky in that we had that long run time to get things set up. Um, so we could take the time to define it and get our values and behaviors, um, hiring processes in place, you know, management, um, competencies, you know, what we want leaders to be like. Um, so I think that was a really uh, important part of how we've been able to scale and maintain that culture.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are some of your values?
1: Um, so we're actually looking at our values at the moment. Oh, um, so we're doing a bit of a project, hopefully rolling out next month um awesome. and but one thing that has to stay consistent is behaviors so for us behaviors are what people do day to day um we shout them out we you know we celebrate when people are proactive that's one of our behaviors um you know the actions you can do and then the values are almost the reasons that we we behave in the way we do so they're the ones we want to add a little bit um more depth to and and are kind of reviewing they hadn't been quite formalized in the same way as behaviors but yeah our four behaviors that we have and we talk about a lot and shout about and praise and they feed into hiring and they feed into performance reviews are proactive be proactive um i mentioned that one Uh, act like an owner um be an energy giver and start with why and the energy giver one's a nice one because when we do our intro to culture sessions and I've kind of run through the team, people often think that being an energy giver is kind of like someone who's like cartwheeling and just, you know, shouting aloud <laughs> at hearing. And yeah. actually, you know, it's not about that. It's like how you can give people energy. And, mm-hmm. and a great example for me is someone runs a really good meeting. So the, the, the agenda is set ahead of time. All the pre-reads are given in good time. The people who are there are all relevant, engaged. You keep good minutes, get good actions, good, good outcomes. That gives me loads of energy. But that doesn't mean you have to be sort of cheerleading on the sideline. That can just be, you know, a well-run meeting. So energy giver is a good one. Yeah, and that's like, why I think it's
0: important. I, I was just going to add on that energy giver. I feel like it can be very, like, um, you know, quiet too. Like you can go up to a colleague and say, you did a really good job on this piece of work. And that could be, that does, that's not, you know, like you said, the cartwheeling.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, asking someone how they are. You know taking yeah. the time as a manager to just understand how someone's feeling can be great and how those sorts of quiet, like conversations can give someone energy or make them feel energized to come to work so yeah that's I like that one um, and the other one that I think sticks out is start with why um, I think that's been a really important one um, you know really understanding the, the needs of the business and for us it's often the needs of the customer as well we try and be quite customer-centric um, and our approach and the way we structured our business is under end users. So under parents and children, under teachers and pupils, under our tutors who are the supply side. So we do really try and have a customer centric mindset when making decisions.
0: Yeah, I want to learn a little bit more about the act like a owner um, pillar, it's because I know like um, intrapreneur um, is has been a big term within the past uh, few years. You know, people who may not want to go out on their own, but also have that leadership Um, you know, uh, capability. So how, how do you apply that, that act like an owner to uh, the people? my tutor.
1: Yeah, I, I think for us, it's, it's really about, um, you know, there's always lots to do. And, you know, we value people who can kind of take the initiative uh, and drive projects through to completion. Um, We, you know, when people join the company, we're actually looking at our share scheme at the moment, but, historically, because we've kind of become too big, we have to move from one scheme to another. But historically, we've always made sure that, um, you know, a, a new joiner gets some sort of options or equity in the business. So they are an owner, so they do feel part of it. Um, and they are kind of intrinsically tied to the success of the business and want to do right by the customer, you know, value for shareholders, which can which can be them. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's, it's really about just making sure they feel that, like, deep connection to the mission um which we talk about a lot you know it's quite i feel lucky that we're such a mission driven company because it's great to shout about you know we want to impact a million lives by 2025 is our next kind of long-term goal
0: that's
1: awesome. um yeah and, and impacting a life for us is six lessons so if you can get the pupil to six lessons they can make half a grade's progress more than their um like an untutored pupil in the same subject so that's what we're trying to do get that six lessons and just to be able to talk about that and make people feel connected and if we can tie objectives to people up through to that mission, so me doing like this, this many phone calls, I can see how that actually directly means that we're going to get closer to those million lives. Um, that's a really important part of making people feel like an owner, like feeling tied to the, the mission and the vision
0: mm-hmm and and that also because every part of what you're doing is, is people oriented whether it's the leaders interacting you know with the people that make up my tutor or the tutors that you know are helping you know other people so if you're giving you know the tutors energy that just means great work for you know the the people on the receiving
1: end absolutely and that's you know, we are a technology business, I guess, but we actually often refer to ourselves as like a people business, and mm-hmm. the technology is to connect those people. So those connections between the tutors um, to the pupils is, is really amazing. And if everyone's ever feeling low, we always recommend going to the reviews page and seeing what oh. parents and pupils are saying about the tutors, because it's a real oh. good boost.
0: That's wonderful. So you talked about the impact that you want to have. So do you have any metrics for the impact that you've made so far?
1: Yes. So every year do an impact, an impact report. Fortunately for the past two years, there's been no exams in schools Mm -hmm, um, because of the pandemic. So we've actually been a little bit lighter on the data that we've had. Um, But prior to that, we'd always work with our customers to get, the you know, it's a great one because you can get the grade data. What were they doing before and what did they get in their final grades? And then we can kind of look at the impact they've made. For those who received tutoring in that subject, but there's those who didn't. So we have really been able to see like a really strong impact and see like a grades a grades difference um, over over a course of tuition program, which is kind of half a grade more than their untutored subject. So we have been able to see some uh, some big impact, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, so we are about ready to wrap up but i want to ask you one last question before we do so what have you enjoyed about you know the past five and a half years with my tutor and how have you grown as a leader
1: Ooh, um so i have very much enjoyed my time with my tutor um i think when i first started out i probably wasn't a leader um very much an individual contributor um you know, more focused on what I was delivering. So I think even just the fact that I've become some something of a leader um, is 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 great. And you know, that's come a lot a lot from the support the business has given me to to take on the opportunity. Um, and I think I'm now more aware of. You know, I, I kind of I probably took for granted what the company I joined when I first started. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was great to work with, super smart people great feedback culture, like open conflict, but then good resolutions. Um, and I sort of just took it for granted. But now as we scale more, bringing other people in, I'm actually seeing what we're doing internally is quite special in terms of a culture we're building and one to be proud of. So I'm probably more aware of the good work we've done and I'm more of a champion for it. And I try and kind of shout about it as much as I can to the team, take on their feedback, what can we change, being aware that you know we might need to change further as we scale. Um, so that's one thing um, in terms of how I personally changed the most. Um, I think I've become, I, I've kind of, again, I, I wasn't a people manager originally and I actually found it quite difficult. In one of my earlier roles, I was sort of managing people and, and found it quite hard, but now I actually get loads of energy from it. I'm, I'm not quite sure what's changed, but now like working <laughs> my team is one of my favorite things and gives me the most energy in the day. So uh, I've obviously fallen in love with people management somewhere along the way.
0: That's awesome. And so, for people who want to learn more about my tutor or want to connect with you, how can they uh, reach out?
1: So, my tutor—the uh, best thing is just—we have a TV advert. It's the UK, so maybe no one will see it. But uh, mytutor.co.uk. Um, there's lots of uh, information on the website there. Lots of videos. Who we work with, what we do. In terms of connecting with me, uh, LinkedIn's the best place. So Will Beaton—that's B-E-A-T-O-N. That's B-E-A-T-O-N. Um, always keen to chat to other like-minded people um in the space and then there's one other thing i'm in a network called people stories um which is like a group of again sort of like-minded start um, startup scale up people leaders um, who just it's a great com- uh, great place for sort of sharing information learning from each other if someone's having a problem you know, around disciplinaries, or you want to make a new policy, like we're working on a menopause policy at the moment. And that's a great place to understand like what other people are doing in the space, sharing ideas. So people stories is another place If you connect. You'll see me in there probably asking for help um, constantly or something like that.
0: Thank you for sharing that resource. That could be so helpful for our audience. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thank you for being on the show. This has been great. I'm, you know, it's been really cool to see how, you know, you went into the people world, uh, you know, without having that background and just have fallen in love with it. That's so awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed, um, enjoyed chatting.
0: Great. Well, again, I'm Lindsay, host of People Analytics. Thank you, Will, for joining. And if you know anyone who is a leader in, um, you know, the people space, and um, want to be on the show, feel free to reach out to me, Lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people first mindset, please email me at Lindsay at That's L I N D S A Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.